The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joe Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 7200. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 7200 for your copy now. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. How often do you wonder what your managers are doing all day long if they are being as productive as they could be? Do you wonder if there's a better way to manage your managers? To answer that question, Sarah Worth. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joel. Excited to be here. Hey, so this is kind of a, a cool question. You know, are we properly managing our managers? It seems to me like, you know, when I hear about people with their managers, I mean, every every department has a certain set of metrics and they measure the metrics. Are you talking about something different than this? Or because uh, that seems like that's what we all do is we manage yeah. our managers through metrics. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We've asked a lot of CEOs, COOs, senior leaders about their metrics. And when you ask them about it, they always go to frontline performer metrics. So say, for example, a senior leader of sales and you say, okay, what are your metrics? They're like, well, call volume and, you know, how many deals we've got coming through the pipeline and what's our close rate and things like that. And we say, great, those are, those are your salespeople's metrics that you're paying attention to. What about your manager's metrics? What are their metrics? And they say, well, the same thing. You know, they just make sure that their team members do those things. And, and when we ask them about their activities, their manager's activities, what their managers are doing, what they're measured on, they really don't have anything. Right now, most managers don't have metrics of their own. They only have their teams. And so they as individuals don't always know what they should be doing to perform more effectively. But the fact that a manager has metrics for the salespeople that they manage. Mm -hmm. Is that a direct or an indirect uh, relationship? I mean, and I'm asking, I mean, it seems yeah. to me like it's kind of direct, but maybe you're making it seem like it's kind of indirect that, that, that if, if the guys are producing, yeah, doesn't that have something to do with the manager? 
I think it absolutely has something to do with the manager, but if you don't know what the manager's doing that's creating that outcome, you can't replicate it, you can't improve upon it, and you can't help others know how to do those same things in order to get the same kind of result. So yes, absolutely, it's a reflection of the manager, but what the manager's doing is really critical in order to be able to help that manager improve in terms of that outcome. All right. So what kinds of things are you referring to Yeah, that you would measure of a manager? What, what are the kinds of things that, that we're measuring here? Yeah. So some really common stuff that a lot of managers are doing, for example, whether or not they're having one-to-one meetings with their team members on a regular basis. Are they proactively sitting down with their sales team members or with their team members for any type of role or industry and asking them about their key priorities, making sure that they're executing, spending that time to help them do their jobs more effectively? Are they doing those regular one-to-ones? And from their team member's perspective, do they feel those one-to-one meetings are helpful? Are they getting good value out of them? Are they learning more? Are they being held accountable in order to achieve more? So that's just one example of a regular activity that effective managers are doing. You know, there's got to be a lot of conflict between, listen, I'm going to hire really good people. Mm -hmm. And then I'm not going to micromanage them. I'm just going to let them go and Mm -hmm. talk to them every so often. You know, I, I mean, how, how much oversight does somebody need and, and does that logic hold up that I'm just going to hire really good people and if I do, then, then they take care of themselves? Yeah, certainly some managers out there will. And, and we see that when we go into work with organizations, you've got maybe a 30-year managers that are already doing a lot of things right. You know, they're already doing regular meetings with their team members. They're giving them feedback. They're giving them good coaching. They're holding them accountable. They're doing the right things already. Then you've got about another 30-year managers at the bottom where they're really struggling. There's a lot of things, according to their team members, when we survey them, that their managers are really struggling with and they're not doing well. And then you got a third of the people in the middle who are doing some things right, but maybe not as well as they could. And you've got them maybe not doing the the proper activities to really help their team members. So yes, in some cases, you can just hire great people and let them go. But based on our research of what we see, a lot of people could use improvement and strategies to get better. All right. So let's take a look. You gave three buckets. Let's look Mm -hmm. at the uh, bottom bucket. Uh, Are those people just hopeless and and we need to just kind of move away from them or do you put any energy (laughs) in those people? Yeah, I I think they're at least worth training because sometimes it may be a lack of knowledge that they have of how to lead, how to coach, of knowing what to do. So I think it's worth at least making the investment. Um, But if you don't see some pretty quick improvement and then grasping onto those concepts quickly, it probably means that they're not cast well in a role as a manager. Are most of these people... Were they promoted from being, say, a salesperson or something else into that? So they they didn't actually evolve into that job. They kind of got moved from one thing they were probably good at into something that they now are not. And they probably never did get trained into that new responsibility. Absolutely. And we see that a lot. We work with a lot of sales organizations and the best salesperson, they'll get promoted to be a manager. They won't trained on how to how to work differently as a leader. So they kind of try to act like super salesperson on their team and they spend more time trying to close deals as opposed to helping coach and lead their team members to close deals themselves. Yeah. Well, they probably get frustrated that uh, the people that are on their team are probably not as good as sellers as they were. Right. And, and you know, and, and they're having, a, they're not natural trainers either. So they're probably having a hard time 
uh, conveying to these people how to be better at what they do. Yeah. And you see that a lot in people that are really natural salespeople. It's hard for them to teach other people how to be a good salesperson because for them, it just came pretty naturally. It's who they are. It's how they operate. They didn't really have to think about it. And then when they have to teach somebody else how to do it, they have a hard time breaking it down. They're not really sure. of. I don't know why I do it. It's just how I do it. Uh, so they have a harder time teaching it. Yeah, for intuitive people, that's a, that's a tough thing. But management yeah. is also an intuitive thing for some people as well. Yes. I mean, there are skills you could learn, but there's just certain personality traits that some people have that make them better managers. What are some of those? Yeah. So I would say the ability to build relationships, that's a key one. We see that time and time again. When we survey team members about people that are good leaders, good coaches, that ability to build trust and relationships is foundational. So people that are good at that have a leg up already. Um, People who are also good at execution, most managers that are really successful, they make sure work happens. So they're good at articulating to people, here's what we need to get done and holding people accountable. Uh, And they also happen to be really good at challenging people. So they're good at getting their team members to learn, to grow, to go through experiences that help them improve their skill sets. So they're kind of natural developers in that way. They like to to help people grow. So salespeople, by and large, are pretty good at developing relationships. That's what makes them good Mm -hmm. salespeople. So why if they both have the same fundamental requirement of building good relationships, why are many salespeople that get promoted to manager not successful as managers? Yeah, it comes down to, I think, what they're really passionate about. When you talk to somebody who's a great sales manager, they will say what they loved to do is help one of their team members learn how to close a deal. They love to teach them that. They love to see them be successful. They love to support their growth and development. If somebody's a more natural salesperson, they love to close the deal. They love to be the one who actually, you know, gets that celebration and those accolades for bringing in the business. So it's just a different about different passion. So, so part of it is, so a lot of managers then are natural teachers, Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. See that time and time again. So relationship development, natural teachers. Um, I mean, some of these things, yeah. uh, I mean, these are not really like trainable kind of things. Some of these things, either you have it or you don't. I mean, you yeah. could learn a little, but either have it or you don't. So this bottom bucket, let's stay with this bottom bucket for a second. Are uh-huh. they teachable or how much energy do you put in before you move on to the middle bucket? Yeah, I would say they're teachable. Some of them are Um, just because I've seen it from experience. You know, we've had people that started with us and we, we got feedback from their team members on how effective that manager was, how good of a coach, how good of a leader they were. They focused on it. They really dedicated their time and energy towards learning how to be a better leader. What are the activities they should be doing? What are the behaviors they should be exhibiting? And then a year later, when we'd survey their team members again, they had really improved. So that is absolutely possible. I don't think it's as nearly likely with your bottom third as it is with that middle third. You know, one of the things that uh, that I notice is that, you know, human beings copycat each other. So like if you have a manager, whatever style they have, that becomes your style because mm-hmm. that just is what we do. Even if they were terrible, they could have been a terrible manager. You still, and, and you wake up in the morning and go, God, I hate my boss. I hate my manager. Uh, and then you become a manager and you go, well, the only way I know how to do it is like that guy did, even though I didn't like it, I'm going to do it the same way. What yeah. is it about people 
that makes them do exactly the same thing that somebody else did to them, even though they didn't like it when it was being done to them. Yeah. I just don't think they know another way. They don't have a good model of what good coaching and good leadership looks like. And so they go out and they mimic whatever leadership model is that they've seen and that they've been taught by their own managers. But until you give them a different way, until you educate them on this is what good looks like and here's how you can do it differently, they're just mimicking whatever they know. So, so let's talk about great managers. I mean, the ones even like in the top part of the number one bucket, you know, yeah. what are those people doing yeah. that everybody else can learn from? Yeah. I think the most interesting thing that the very best leaders do is they have kind of this duality with which they interact with their team members. So on one hand, they absolutely love their team members. They care a ton about them. They really get to know them as people. They have these really close connections and relationships. But on the flip side of that, this is also somebody that will get after their team members when they are not performing. They have high standards, they have high expectations, they push people, they demand excellence and demand performance. So they really, you know, they're almost kind of like a parent in that way. You know, you think of your your kids, you love them more than you love anybody else. And you also probably push them more than you push anybody else. So they kind of operate like that. I, I think that uh, I think that our maternal and paternal instincts kick in a lot of these kind of things because I think that we are somewhat paternal and or, or parental in mm-hmm. a lot of our uh, interactions with people. Even you know, not not exactly the same, but I think our instincts kind of kind of go there. You know, so yeah. So how much I, I what I'm trying to get to is you know how much of these skills are learnable and how much is just kind of instinctive, innate. Some people are going to be better at it than others. Yeah, it's both. I mean, certainly some people are always going to be better at it. If you've gotten a natural ability to connect with people, to help people grow, to want to push people, you're always going to be better than somebody who had to learn that skill. It's just that natural ability, it's hard to catch up to. But if you have a desire... And if you want to get better and build your skills there and build your ability there, you absolutely can improvement. So it is teachable. It is something that you can get better at, um, but you're, you're always going to be at a better starting point if you already have that talent and that, and that behavior kind of worked right, so in let's, naturally. Let's look at bucket number two, that middle bucket. Yeah. What are the main things that those people need to improve on in order to yeah. be successful as managers? Yeah. You know, a lot of it is kind of what you're talking about earlier. They've had some bad models. And so maybe they learned from a manager back in the day that you shouldn't really get close to your team members. You know, you should maintain a distance. You should make sure that they respect you and that you have that professional distance. Uh, and so it's, it's unlearning that lesson that, no, we really see that the best coaches, the best leaders have close bonds with their team members. They're definitely professional bonds, but they're still close bonds. They really care about these people and they really know these people. So a lot of times it's just unlearning some of those bad lessons and then learning what to do instead. So how does a manager or a manager's manager help Mm -hmm. the manager be better? So in other words, Uh, Let's say that I've got a manager and they're managing five or 10 people. And I notice that this person is not being as effective as they could be. What are the kinds of things that a manager's manager would say to the manager to Mm -hmm. get better? I mean, these are not easy conversations to have if you notice that somebody's not doing a great job at something. 
Yeah. The first thing, if, if I was a, a senior leader and I was talking to one of my managers, the first thing I would ask him about is how much do you know about your people? Do you know what motivates them? Do you know what they're best at doing? Do you know what they struggle with? How well do you know your people? That's the first question I would ask them. The second question I would ask them is how are you driving accountability? When you ask your team members, what are your top five priorities? Can they list those out really clearly? And do you agree with those? And then how are you making sure that they actually execute on that? And the third thing I would ask them is how are you challenging your team members to grow? How are you putting expectations on them that month after month, quarter after quarter, year after year, they're getting better at their jobs? So how are you really helping them grow as individuals? And and how do you how do you keep from crossing the line from being a good manager to being a micromanager. I mean, mm-hmm. you're asking them a lot of questions. You're poking around in their business. I mean, at what point do you cross the line and become a nuisance, not a helpful, mm-hmm. you know, not a help? Yeah. I, I think it's how you approach it. I mean, if you're only asking those questions to make sure that they're doing certain things and that they're checking the box on certain activities, you're probably going to feel like a micromanager. If you're talking, if you have a genuine interest in who they are and their success and helping them get better, and so you're asking them questions so that you can help them figure out what they can do to perform at a higher level, it just feels different. So if you're just checking for, did I get it done? You're a micromanager. If you're looking for ways to help that person improve and to grow, then they usually see you as somebody who's interested in their, in their success. You know, I think that that is really the inside track to this, the whole secret to this whole deal here is that it has a lot to do with your intent. If your Mm -hmm. intent is to check the box, then you're absolutely one thing. If your intent is really to kind of help people get better. People can tell people, people get that sense. I mean, they know. So what are things that great leaders, you know, and, and, and managers and leaders are not the same thing, right? But, you know, I mean, I would, I would imagine that the people who get people to really like them and respect them are the people that move on as leaders uh, further on too. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And leaders, I think probably the biggest difference as you move up that chain of command, they're really good at helping other people think through how to do their jobs more effectively. Managers a lot of times give, they give answers to team members. So, you know, you're asking me, well, how should I do this? And I tell you, well, do A, B, and C. People that are great leaders don't say do A, B, and C. They say, well, how do you think you should do it? Well, what have you considered? Well, what's your approach? How, you know, what else have you thought about? Why haven't you taken action on that yet? You know, they, they ask a lot of questions and they teach their people how to think. If you can't do that, you really can't move up to higher levels of leadership because you're the one who always has to have the answer. Instead, you want to help other people around you have the answer so that you're using everybody's brain and everybody's ability. So... To, to some extent, that's a technique. I, mean, I love, I love that because I totally, mm-hmm. totally agree with it. And it's to some extent, it that's a teachable and learnable technique. So yeah. why aren't more people doing that? I mean, is there well, like an insecurity <laughs> about them that they don't want other people to learn how to think? I mean, yeah. like what's really going on that makes us not all be doing that more because it just yeah. seems like the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. There's two really common reasons that I hear from leaders I work with. Number one, it takes a bunch more time. 
And so if I can just give you an answer and tell you what to do, that conversation can be over in three minutes. If I have to ask you a bunch of questions and engage you and help you learn to think it through, that's maybe a 15 or 20 minute conversation. So a lot yeah, this, of times this, just, this one time, but then you don't have it over and over and over and exactly. over. Exactly. <laughs> that's what we try to impress upon them. But yes, you are spending more time up front, but as you help them learn how to think, those kind of conversations happen less often because they're learning how to process stuff on their own. You know, then um, you got to wonder, then the person says, well, gee, I spent all this time training this person and he got so good that he got promoted away from my department and then I had to start yeah. over again. So yeah. in a certain way, people go, well, I don't really want them to be that great because if they <laughs> become great, then, then it's not good for me. So yeah. I don't know, people, yeah. people get kind of funny about these kind of things. They get very territorial and in corporate and business environments and stuff. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. Well, and I think I think that's the second part of the reason why people don't always have these kind of conversations where they ask questions and help people learn to think. They want to feel valuable. And so if you have to come to me to figure out how to solve this and I can give you the answer, well, I feel valuable. I, I added something that was helpful to you. And so they, they kind of have to fight that tendency to be the answer person because it makes them feel good to be the answer person. Yeah. So do you mostly work with the, the most senior leadership people who are kind of the people helping people to get be the best or the manager level people? Because they're really, they're really, they're really different skill sets that, that they need to have. They are. Yeah. We actually work with both. Um, so we do a lot of the training of the day-to-day -day kind of coaching interactions and activities to people at that frontline level, that frontline manager. Um, we work a lot with them directly, but then we also have to work a lot with their senior leaders because I can't just teach you as a frontline manager how to be a better manager if you don't have the support and the direction and the belief from leadership that that's how you should be operating. So we work with both levels in order to make it really effective. So when, when you work with uh, individual people, that's one thing, but to install a culture on a company, that, that's, that's kind of a belief that everybody holds together. Mm -hmm. And then what does it take to, to go from having uh, individual people getting these kinds of trainings and lessons to having it be like a, an institutional set of beliefs that everybody yeah. agrees to and, and, and that becomes an institutional culture, right? I mean, that's yeah. what it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. Honestly, you have to have a senior leader at the top who really buys into that. You have to have somebody saying in that C-suite or that you know senior VP, say if it's with just a department, who says, this is how we're going to operate going forward. This is what needs to happen. If you don't have that buy-in from the very top, you're not really going to get the culture to move in a different direction. So that's really key is to have that senior leader who says, this is the type of culture I want to create. How do you prevent uh, companies from writing down their values and then they end up not walking their talk? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, that's got to happen a lot. Okay, here's, here's where we're, we believe in all these different things, but we don't really do those things push come to shove. Yeah, I, I find the best way to do it is to have accountability on culture and on leadership be from the bottom up. So one of the things that we do is we survey those team members that report into those frontline managers or to those you know, senior leaders and ask them about the coaching and the leadership and the guidance they're receiving. And they will be very clear about saying, you know what, my leader doesn't walk my talk and, or walk their talk and they, they don't follow through and they don't execute. So I think that's really beneficial because these are the ultimately the people that are the beneficiaries of the coaching or should be. And if they're not feeling that, then you're probably not doing a very good job of it. 
Yeah. Do you find that most people, uh, do they want to be trained to get better or or, are many people just satisfied (laughs) to be how they are? Yeah. It's honestly, it's less than I would want it to be. Like there are way too many people that are satisfied to be where they are. And it's, it's unfortunate. Um, that's one of the things that we really try to do at the outset of whenever we work with an organization is to try to build that excitement and that engagement for wanting to improve because you have to take action on it. You know, I can, I can teach you, Joel, how to deliver an amazing one-to-one meeting that's engaging and informative and that people walk away feeling empowered and, and that they learned a ton. But if you don't actually take that back to your team meeting and do something with it, it just doesn't go anywhere. And so having people that want to actually get better is really key. And it's harder to come by than I would like it to be. You know, one of the things that surprises me, and I mean, I don't know why it surprises me. I mean, but everybody wants more money. Mm -hmm. But to get more money, you really have to do something more. You have to contribute more, add more, do more, whatever the thing is. And you know, and the kinds of things, the even the intangible things that we're talking about here, learning is part of more. Because yeah. as you learn, you have a better attitude, you have more skills, you have more decision making, you know, and, and that's why it surprises me that people don't step up more and say, I want to get better. Tell me yeah. how I can get better so I can make more money. Tell me how I can get better so I can have a higher level job. Tell me how I can get better so that whatever their goal is can can happen. And, and it kind of surprises me. Do people not put those two things together in some way? Yeah, I, I think maybe they do conceptually, but when they have to do the actual work for it, it gets a lot tougher. You know, it's one thing to say that, that I want to get better, that I want to do more, that I want to achieve more. And it's another to actually execute the behaviors that you need to execute day in, day out to make that happen. The one thing I will I will say to leaders who are struggling with this idea of what you're talking about, you know, how do I, do I really need to get better? Do I need to get different? I always like to ask them, like, are you satisfied with what your results were last year? And most of the time they say no. And I say, okay, well, I can tell you that your approach, the way that you did things last year, got you those results. So we know what your approach yields because it's, it's what happened last year. If you want something different, if you want something better, if you want better results, you got to do something different. You can't do the same thing you've always done and expect that you're going to get different results. And that usually helps them start to realize that, yeah, I really do have to make a change. And that, listen, their, their leaders should be having that conversation with them too. You know, the managers, the leaders, whoever, you know, however you classify those people, uh, they should be asking these questions. I mean, uh, what are some other great questions that leaders can ask their uh, their people that kind of help yeah. to bring the best out of them? you have any suggestions? Yeah. One of my favorite questions to ask is, what have you considered doing that you haven't done yet? Because a lot of times people will dismiss some of their really good ideas, some of their really good strategies as being too out there or too hard, or they're not quite sure it's the right approach. And so I like to ask people, you know, what have you considered that you just haven't done yet? Because that's when you get some really interesting ideas that they've never taken action on. I so love that's that. one of that's, my favorites. That's yeah. a great question. You know, it's, yeah. it's a hard question. And a hard question is an easy yeah. question that's hard to answer because yep. <laughs> it's, it's simple to understand, but it, you know, goes in a lot of different directions. And I love, I love that because I, I just think that every industry you know, the money business and investments. I mean, I've got a bunch of questions. They're very simple, 
but they're hard to answer. Mm-hmm. And any, any other ones that you want to throw on the table? Yeah. Another one that I like to ask people is what is their professional dream? Uh, because it really gets people saying things in a completely different direction than what you would expect. So if you want to get to the essence of where somebody wants to go in their career, ask them about their professional dream, because whatever that is, is usually the essence of who they are. So whether that's leadership at some high level or being able to sell that huge deal or being able to, you know, write a book someday or whatever it is, that gives you a real indication of who this person is at their core. But you know, that seems like a dangerous question for somebody to answer honestly in a corporate yeah. type environment. I've got a really good friend was an executive at Disney and, and somebody asked him the question, what do you see yourself? And he said, I see myself as the CEO of Disney. And somehow or another, there was a TV interview or something that happened and it ended up in a newspaper somewhere that he yeah. said that and yeah. it cost him his job. You know, because wow. he was brainstorming some possibilities. Yeah. Maybe a reporter uh, asked him this question and, you know, and, and I get it, you know, but it um, ultimately some people thought he was a little too aggressive. So, yeah. you know, when somebody says, I want to write a book, well, that doesn't have anything to do with our company. Or I want to do this. <laughs> well, that doesn't have anything to do with our company. So yeah. how honest, I, I mean, I guess it goes back to those values. You know, yeah. does the company give people space to be honest? Yeah. And, and I think you're right. I mean, to me, I can't believe that somebody would get fired over saying they want to be CEO. Cause to me, I'm like, that's great. You know, if that's, if that's your aspiration, you know, you, you clearly have a drive and a desire to get somewhere. So let's figure out how do we give you more opportunities? Listening. I mean, it it does seem like, like that's the kind of person we want on our team. Somebody that really has some goals uh, but something went wrong in the translation. I'm not sure exactly why, but uh, it was yeah. not perceived as... <laughs> it wasn't perceived that way. With yeah. all the goodness that we're kind of thinking and attributing to it now. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But I mean, say, for example, somebody says, I want to write a book someday. Clearly, that means that this is somebody who has ideas and things that they want to express and, and, and interest in doing that. So how can I leverage that right now? You know, if I'm a manager, if I'm the person leading that, how can I find an opportunity for this person to share more ideas or to do more writing or whatever it may be that would be relevant to their role and to our, to our company. Yeah. I I think, I think what you're talking about is fantastic. I just, I can imagine the other side of person saying, well, yeah, but then my boss is going to say, well, why put any more energy into this person? Because they're just going to go off and write a book someday and leave us high and dry and you know, whatever. So I, I, well, what's the alternative but, though? You don't invest in people, you know, I mean, that's the other thing, right? Like the alternative is you just say to people, well, I'm not really going to try to help you develop and grow because I'm scared you're going to leave me. That's not a great, <laughs> I guess you just hire people that don't have a lot of lofty aspirations. And boring ones that kind of sink to the bottom, you know, so no, there you I, go. I mean, it's, it just, it's, it's a, uh, it's a conflict. I know that it's a real yeah. conflict inside companies yeah. because People don't want to talk about what they really want to do because they're afraid that if it's too ambitious, that they'll be chastised for that. Yeah. Uh, but what you're saying is that that would be the greatest thing to hear in the world Absolutely. because, you know, those are, those are great people. 
those are the people you want. You want people that are drivers. You want people that want to grow, that want to learn, that want to get better. And even if you only end up having them on your team for three years or five years, you're going to get more performance out of them during those three to five years because you helped them grow, because you understood their dreams, because you fed into that. And if this is their dreams, guess what? Even if you don't help them, they're going to go pursue it. So the fact that you don't develop them and invest in them, for somebody that's ambitious, you're not going to stop them. All you're going to do is get less out of them while they're there. So you might as well still invest in them. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty great concept. You know, that, that's, another, that's another inside track to work with people is really, you know, whether you help them or not, they're, gonna, they're probably going to do what they want to do. So you might as well help them and let them, uh, you know, kick butt a little harder for you. So absolutely, this whole thing, this really is the inside track on management and kind of working with people leadership. I, I like this. This is really uh, an interesting discussion. I appreciate you sharing that. Any closing thoughts? You know, Joel, I think more than anything, if you're going to be a great leader, get good at asking great questions. That's, it, you know, if you want an inside track of, of how the best leaders do it differently, they do a lot less talking and they do a lot more of asking of questions and helping people learn how to, how to think, how to develop, how to, how to succeed on their own. So ask more questions. That's, that's I'm, my one tip. I'm, I'm with you. I think that's just <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, Sarah, we're going to put yeah. your... Uh, contact information and all your stuff in the show notes so people can find you. Uh, you have been a great guest. And I really appreciate you sharing leadership, management, different ideas and some of the things. And some of those questions that you asked, those were good ones. I'm going to, I'm going to note those down for the future because they're good questions. So great. thank you thank very you. much for being a guest on the show. We appreciate having you and, uh, and please stay in touch with us. Will you? Okay. Will do. Thanks Joel. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the Inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joel Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 72000. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.